What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the River End Rundown. My name is Brennan. I'm one of your hosts. And with me is... Max. I'm the other host. Perfect. All right. And this is going to be our uh, last season review for the Philadelphia Union's uh, 2023 season. Uh, and then we're going to look at some of the off-season things that happened and look at the, the future season coming up. So when we're talking about the 2023 season, Max, what... Uh, what what what's your what's your vibe of that season? Well, so the one word that comes to mind, and I'm going to tell you actually why I don't think it was this, but the one word that comes to mind is a disappointment. And I put a question mark at the end of that because if you asked me before after the last game of the season, I would have told you this season was a huge disappointment. And while watching the games, I was frustrated with the team a lot of weeks and how we were playing, how we were motivated. But when the playoffs came around. After the first round, when we went to Cincinnati, I was watching that game thinking to myself, this team is good. This team is there, but it's just not going to be their year. And that's okay. Everything is a learning curve um, for the team. And moving forward, you can't go to the MLS Cup final every single season. You can't go to the Eastern Conference final every single season. So for them to get through the first round, in that new best of three, uh, I, I hate it. It's awful. But for them to do that in two games against New England was great. And I think that the, on all, the season was a disappointment. Yes, there were some elements of it that weren't great, that need work. But I'm overall was happy with the season after the fact. But during it, I was just, oh, I was screaming at the TV some nights. What about you? Yeah. I- I think that's a, a solid summation of last season. I think going into the season, you were hopeful. You're like, oh, this is our year. Everyone's back. Like, we can't, like, we're obviously going back to the MLS Cup. And then when you just started seeing Cincinnati, you were like, oh, oh, I don't know if anyone's competing with Cincinnati this year. And then, uh, yeah, the Union just looked shaky, especially when we had uh, Blake out for those couple seasons early or a couple games early. And, uh, yeah, and then going through the entire year, it's just like, look, I just, I want us to get it off season. We didn't get one last year. Like, I want us to go as far as we can, but at the same time, I think, I think this just isn't it. Like, I was hoping, I was, I was, I was not hoping for the end of the season, but I'm, I think on top of that, you also have to think that last season was congested with the League's Cup, the Champions League, uh, I'm glad we got out of the U.S. Open Cup quick. I love the cup. I hope we, the MLS stays in that. But yeah, I, what was it like, 47 games or something like that? Uh, it might have been even more. Yeah, that, that was it was a ridiculous amount. And especially as a season ticket holder, when I'm going to every single one, I felt like I was at Subaru like every week, and it was just I was burnt out. I was tired. I was tired of driving. I was very. I I agree. Like when you think about it from the beginning of the year, I would, it seemed like a disappointment. But when you go through that whole thing and when you're watching them play, I think you just have to, you know, accept that there are better teams out there and the union weren't playing at their best. Just it seemed like they were always just waiting for something to click and it never ended up clicking. And it was I think also it was frustrating because there were games in which where the season before the first half was kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure what this union team is doing. And then they played D.C. And the season like flipped and they were by far the best team in the league. 
And there were a couple times throughout the season where they did that. They've had a game that I was like, wow, look at this team. They're back. They're going to. And then the next game, they got beat by Toronto. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that Toronto game was ruthless. That was the one where they were up 2-0, right? Or no, that was, uh, I'm thinking of the Montreal game when. Oh, uh, yeah. Ben- that was Bendick. early. Bendick was in goal and we were up 2-0 going into extra time and we ended up losing it or 2-1, something like that. Yeah, it was brutal. But I think, you know, part of the um, struggle with the Union too was when watching the games was with our injuries and with our depth players. And our depth, we have great depth players at most positions. The issue I think was is, and I'm not saying this was Curtin's fault. I don't think it was. I think he's a great coach. I think he's just all in all amazing. But it was, I think it was low, was kind of an issue. And it was because he deserved to be on the field more than some of the starters. Just with Elliot and Glesnes, you're not there. So whenever we were missing somebody from the midfield, his choice was to drop to a five back. And I think just the change of formation, the change of players and where they're supposed to play really just... It's really difficult to just change your formation and your starting players week after week. I felt like we never really even played three games in a row with the same starting 11, where if you look at, I mean, I never looked at the stats, but I think I feel like the season before where we went to the cup final, it was the same 11 every single week. Maybe Bedoya didn't start this game or Martinez was out, but it was pretty much the same lineup where this year we had Flock was in and out, and even when he was out with injury, and then when he was in, he wasn't performing at his best. And I love Jack McGlynn, but when you play with a five back, he needs to play the number 10 role because I don't think he's great defensively off the ball as Bedoya is, as Flock is, as Bueno and Martinez are. And when you play with that, now you leave Martinez to dry. And Glesnus and Elliott love him to death super aggressive defenders and i love that because it works perfectly but when they play with a five back i think that gives them too much of a peace of mind and they play way too aggressive and it hurts the team so i think that was an issue this season just with all the different starting lineups that we had yeah and i agree with you especially with the injuries i mean you had flock out you had bedoya out for a significant amount of time you had blake out for a significant amount of time i mean you had the uh, the right back uh, competition all season when I feel like Curtin couldn't make up his mind between Nate and Mbizo. I think it's I, hard for them because they're two different defenders too. Um, and that has to be kind of hard for Glesnes playing on that side when Mbazo just wants to move forward. I mean, Harriel does too, mm-hmm. but Harriel is much better defensively and Harriel and I mean, sorry, Harriel is much better defensively and Mbazo is much better going forward. So it's, kind of a trade-off if you're playing lafc i kind of would rather see harriel in there but when you're playing teams like dc or other teams that don't like to possess the ball i'd rather see Mombazo who can i, I hope i pronounced that correctly <laughs> <We> struggle <laughs> and I, I think it's just like when you have that five back formation um you're automatically reverting to a defensive mindset and you need your attacking three to be on it and i think just last year they there was something just not clicking between all three of them, whether Ua was making the run, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put this on Ua when whether the ball was being sent to Ua a fraction too late, or Carranza was get, taking his time getting back on sides. 
I think it's just when you play that dump ball, you got to live and die with the dump ball. And I think the Union did, and they died a lot this season, this last season. Yeah. So looking at uh, last season, Max, what would you say was uh, your most surprising player from the season and the most disappointing player from the 11? Right, so most surprising player to me was Chris Donovan. Every time he came out in the field, I feel like something happened. He didn't always score, but much like Quinn Sullivan, also, when he came out on the field, you noticed his presence. He was running around, creating havoc, which is exactly what you want that player to do. Um, <clears throat> where my most disappointing player, this is going to be controversial, I'm telling you, is Daniel Gazdag. And that is because if you look at his goals, he scored, man, I should have I should have pulled it up. How many goals he scored? I think he scored 19 goals this season. 15 were penalty kicks. And it's not the penalty kicks that I'm worried about. It's that he only scored like five goals not from penalty kicks all season. When he could have been the league leader in goals last year with the yeah, amount and, of goals he scored. And on top of that, like if you got to think about the golden boot winner this year, I think they only had like 23 goals. Like if he even scored three or four more from the run of play, that's he's top in the league. So I just felt like when the games came down, he just never seemed present on the field unless there was a penalty kick. And then he put it away and it was awesome. You know, I never in past, I've never felt like a union penalty kick was a given goal. <laughs> Where yeah, and it's, this, it's nice having that now. Yeah, it feels like, OK, this is going to this is going to be a goal. But I mean, I just I, I expect more from him. what yeah. about you? Uh I think my most surprising player was Jesus Bueno. I think when Martinez went out and he had to take that starting spot, he showed cases like, I deserve to be on this field every game. And that's why you saw us go to that double CDM, because you, you can't bench Martinez. Like, that, that'd be the yeah, dumbest no. thing I could have done. But, like, you have to get Bueno more games, because when he was on it, he was next level. I mean, he's now a Venezuelan national team player i mean he got hurt a few times from that uh and couldn't actually make it to the camp but but yeah he was like, getting calls up yeah he was getting the calls up and i think i think he was one of the most surprising and like i saw way more bueno jerseys towards the later half of the season than i did in the first half that's awesome um disappointing player and i'm gonna get crucified for this i'm gonna say andre blake and I think that's purely because <laughs> he set such a standard in 2022 and 2023 or in 2021 and 2022, where in 2023, I feel like he was letting in the goals where last the like two years ago, he would have saved it. And I am, I love Andre. I think I don't want him to leave. I think he's the one of the greatest players that you have ever had, but Every time there was a PK, it went in. I think he only saved like two PKs last year. And again, in 2022, Andre saving 90% of them. Uh, I love him. I want him to be here for the next six years. I don't play until he's 47. But yeah, I think uh, based off of my expectations for Andre Blake, I think that was a disappointing year. Yeah, Um I mean, I, I partially agree. It's it's hard with him because he's such a good goalkeeper that 
even when he has a mediocre year, like he, I think he kind of did, he was still great. He still kept us in games. It's just, he didn't win those games for us that he was doing two years ago. And I mean, I, I think he's the greatest MLS goalkeeper of all time. I think he, he, he should go down as that. Um, the fact that, you know, I'm not going on wood because I just don't understand how any European team has not tried to grab him, considering Turner played, had two good seasons and went to Arsenal. And Andre Blake's been doing this for, I, I don't know, ever since he was drafted, he was winning um, the goalkeeper of the year. So I agree. He didn't have his best season and he just, and it's his fault. He sets it. He sets such a high standard for himself. <laughs> yeah, no, and like that's it's what hard I'm to give up to. He's still, even with his disappointing season, he's still in the top twenty-five percent of goalkeepers in MLS. Like yeah. he's still a phenomenal athlete. But just he just wasn't the player he was. Not he just wasn't the player that last year that he was the year before. I think he'll he can have another bounce back year. Um, and I'm, you know, he's going to miss time with Jamaica. It's just inevitable. Yeah, but that's what you get um, for being too good. Yep, but um, and I have confidence in the new guy Trent. Yeah, so I, I, I was to hoping play. to see him. I was hoping to see him more uh, than Bendik, and unfortunately, Jim is loyal to his guys. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see more Trent this year when Andre needs a Blake. Yeah, I mean, I, Trent played some in the game that I was just at against Flamingo, and he looked great. Oh man, he made some. Uh, great saves just had me up in my seat screaming <laughs> so uh and had the crowd had the entire brazilian crowd <laughs> we'll get into that in a different episode um <laughs> with the alls and the oh so yeah i mean i'm excited to see him play more all right so let's move on to some of the off se- uh season news dramas anything that's going on with philadelphia union so I have the list in front of me. Max doesn't know what I've compiled, so I might miss some things. If uh, you want us to react to some news that I might have overlooked, just let us know. Uh, so the first thing that happened right after the season ended was Bueno signed a new contract, so he's with us until 2026. I think overall that's just good news. Can't complain about that. Yeah, no, definitely not. I think that's was predictable um, with the season that he had that we were going to get him inked up for a few more years um again you know it's just what it was two it's 2024 sometimes that's crazy um just the two years typical union fashion just signed two-year deals um and you have to earn a spot yeah uh and then i'm gonna lump these ones together we have isaiah lafleur nick pariano and jose jamir berdesio i am sorry jose (laughs) But I do not know how to pronounce any of that. Uh, we signed him on loan until 2024. And Nick Periano is a uh, Union Academy kid. And then Isaiah LaFleur is from the Houston Dynamo. All seem like death pieces. Uh, hoping they can break through the lineup and we can see a little bit of them. Uh, but most of them are signed till, uh 2025. So two years with them. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean... You always want to see depth pieces and you're always excited for the um, academy players. They are getting brought up. Um, I mean, my guess is he's probably going to spend a lot more time with the union too, but 
you know, you never know. Um, you know, no one knew who Aronson was, and then he was starting over a world-known Favian. So you never really know what's going to happen. Yeah, and especially with uh, Nick, he's the 21st homegrown player from the Philadelphia Union's academy system, which I think just proves. I mean, it's been set up for what almost eight years. I mean, yeah. that's that's pretty good output. Uh, we also have your surprising player of last year, Chris Donovan, signed till 2025 with uh, a 2027 option. I think it's great to have that depth uh, for the future. I don't see him ever breaking into the starting lineup, but I think uh, he he's there when you need him to, and it's always nice to have that off the bench. Yeah, um, you know, I'm not, I kind of agree. I'm not sure that he'll ever really get that starting lineup, except for maybe in some of those um, Leagues Cup group stage games or um, in the Open Cup. But, you know, I'm glad to have him on the team. I think he's a great sub. And, and you know, hey, I've been, I've been wrong before and I've been surprised before. So, surprise me <laughs> and, um, and, and kick some butt when you're out there. Yeah. And then the last bit of uh, boring filler news for the offseason was we officially sold Perea to New York City FC. That that one hurts, in all honesty. He's a young kid. I really thought he was going to be the Bedoya replacement of the future for the Union. And he just could not get playtime. And I don't know if it's just a system fit. I don't know if, uh, you know... It's just a hard, hard sell on his skill set, but we basically got like what fifty thousand dollars for him at, at the end of it with what we bought him for and what we sold him for. Yeah, I and I was uh, I was like you, I was excited when we got him from Orlando because I know he had had a U.S. national team cap, um, and he he played well against the Union when I watched them, uh, and he does that Bedoya piece. You know, he's that box to box midfielder. I'm just really not sure exactly what his problem was in Philadelphia, whether it was, you know, obviously we're not in the locker room, so I don't know, you know, what he's like in there. But the, I think it it also comes down to Bedoya still playing. He's still great. And we have Jack McGlynn, who really is kind of our midfielder of the future. And with Bueno and Martinez and Flock coming in too, I don't think Flock was on the team or when we originally signed Prea. So it kind of pushed him down the pecking order happy for him and he's gonna go to new york um not happy they'll be in, in new york but <laughs> happy that he's with another team and hopefully that he can have some success there always rooting for our ex-union guys even if it is just a few caps yep i i definitely agree um so speaking of his u.s men's national team cat you had two union uh youngsters getting their first u.s men's national team main team call up with Nathan Harrell and Jack McGlynn. I don't think either really did anything special during that, but it's nice to see uh two two union players make it to the national team. Yeah, it was great. Um that was a weird national team game. I just felt like it was a weird camp. It felt I don't know. It just didn't feel like an actual national team when you watch the games. I didn't recognize any of the guys. They lost to Slovenia. It just didn't seem like nobody it, it just felt like one of those international breaks that nobody cared. And yeah, it was. I think it was one of those things where I think the coach was just trying to see what his bench looked like, see who deserved to stick around, who actually was showing promise at that level. Um, 
But yeah, I don't think that's going to be a regularity in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think Jack McGlynn deserves a shot there. Um, I know they've called up Paxton Aronson before, who was an ex-Union guy who's over in Germany. I think McGlynn's much better. Um, so <laughs> I think that he deserves a call up a little bit more. So I'm happy for him that he got the call up. Um, just I think there's more call ups to come in the future. But it was just a weird camp, so it kind of is frustrating because I don't think he got to show his potential, and you didn't get to see what he actually looked like with um, actual high-caliber players from the United States team. Plus, the whole United yeah. States team right now is just in a, in a weird spot. Just they yeah, don't... you have you have so much talent, and for some reason, we're like the the Mexican <laughs> national team. Like it's just so much talent, but like we can't ever do anything with it. All right, recent news, fun news: the Kai Wagner renewal. Signed him until 2026 with a 2027 option. I got two thumbs up. You can't yeah, see me, but I do. 20, 20, <laughs> 26 years old, 138 appearances. I mean, broke the record for assists back in 2022. I mean, what more can you say? Yeah. Good having a, good having a reliable left back. Yeah, he's best. Uh, he's arguably the best left back in the league, and I think that it was important to keep him around. I know that there's interest from Europe. Um, I'm not sure what goes on. I think MLS, a lot of it too, is a lot of these guys are good enough to play over there, but there's a lot of personal decisions. Um, and for some reason, based on his talent and skills, I feel like it's definitely some type of personal decision about staying in Philadelphia, um, about maybe liking the area. That's just my guess. I don't know him. I've talked to him once and talked to his wife once. I was sitting next to her, had a game in Orlando one time. Did not know until afterward. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, look, good for, good for his uh, neighbors that got that uh, free barbecue when he thought he was leaving. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, second to last news, we got the king returning to the Philadelphia Union. Alejandro Bedoya signs one more one year contract. Uh, this is going to be his seventh season, I believe. Uh, eight, eighth season, actually. Uh, he's appeared 247 times for the Union and has scored 27 goals. Nothing but good news. But what's your what's your take on that? I mean, I'm glad to have him back. Have they officially announced it yet? They have not officially announced it. This is a uh, a reporting from uh, what is his name? Jose uh, Nunez from Across the Pitch podcast, I believe. And uh, yeah, he's been doing some great uh, behind the scenes reporting this whole offseason. And uh, he was the first to break the news uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, well, I can't wait until they officially announce it. Um, it would be really great to have him back. Um, even if he's, you know, only able to give us half the amount of minutes that he, he's been giving us the last few seasons, I think that. It's always important to have him on the team. He almost acts as a second coach. Yeah, it's one of the smartest guys I think the Union have ever had. Um, the team plays different when he's not on the field. And I think the way it all went down last season, I think uh, he deserved an another season to actually get that, that goodbye uh, season. Yeah, definitely. All right, and then the final news that I have written down is the jersey leaks. The FIFA... <laughs> Being classic EA, leaking half of the the league's jerseys and some weird button push went wrong. But one of the, the 
jerseys everyone saw was the Philadelphia Union's new snakeskin jersey. What did you think? Well, I hope it's real because that jersey is awesome. Um, as soon as they announce it, I, I don't I have February... my wallet on me, but but I would tap my credit card on the screen right now. <laughs> yeah, February 18th, I think, is the official announcement date for most teams. Uh, the leaks might push that forward. But yeah, I think that's a killer jersey. I mean, immediately buying that, immediately getting Bedoy's name on the back. Uh, I, I think it's legendary. I think it's going to go down as one of the greater kits next to the uh, the Lightning kit. Yeah. All right, Max, to close off this episode, let's look at the future 2024 Union season. Who do you got as the most uh, worthwhile watch out of our team? It's got to be um, King Julian, Julian Carranza for me. He's got to have um, just a spectacular season for someone who's getting so much interest from Europe. I think that he's going to really come out and play. Um, he wants to win. He wants to score. Um, I think that scoring titles, the golden boot is really important to him. And I think that he's going to really go after it. And I think you might see him taking some penalty kicks because he scored. Man, I I forgot to pull up the goal stats. It's like the one thing that I don't have. Um, he scored in the high teens of goals last year. Zero penalty kicks. He takes half of the penalty kicks that Gazdak took, and he wins the Golden Boot. Last year, Julian Carranza finished the season with 14 goals, 14 tied goals. for the, hot, to the team high, and six assists. So, 14 goals. So, if he scored half the amount of goals that Gazdak did from the spot, he takes half those kick, kicks. He's at 20 goals, and I think that's one shy of what that guy um, on LAFC scored to win the Golden Boot. So... I think you might see him taking some penalty kicks, um, but I think you you can expect a lot from him this year. I agree. I think I think he's gonna be explosive. Um, my player to watch is his partner up front, Mikhail Uh This is his final year of the contract of his DP contract, and he's got a club option for next year. Um, I think he's got to show us what he's got to be worthy of the money that we paid for him. Um, I think he's. I personally think he's worth it, uh, but I think last year he underperformed a little bit, and I think this is going to be his bounce back year. And I think the top three are going to return to form while we still have them, and you're going to see some high goal counts. Hopefully, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, that's what I think too. All right, that's all I have for this episode. You want to add anything, Max? No, I think we we covered a lot this episode. Um, with all of last season and then our players to watch for next year and can't wait for the season to get kicking off. Um, they're in the middle of preseason right now, but um, hopefully we can get another episode to you recapping some preseason highlights and um, moving forward, how we think the tables are going to finish. Yeah. Every time I hear a, uh, a song from that warm up playlist, I'm just like, Oh, I need them back in my life right now <laughs> for another eight months of the year. All right. All right, we're signing off, so we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.